Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Is Dumbledore terrible? Yes. Yes. He's so terrible. He's an awful person. He's the worst. He's, he... He is just like the worst headmaster. I don't I yeah. don't even understand. Hi everyone and welcome to episode 242 of the Professional Book Nerds podcast presented by Overdrive. This is Jill. Hi Adam. How's it going? Good. How are you? Good. I uh, hope everyone who's listening in in the United States had a good 4th of July. And since we have a lot of listeners who are outside the United States, I hope you had a good Wednesday because it was just a normal day for you. Um, Unless you're in Canada and the last weekend was Canada Day. Yeah. Happy Canada Day. Um, okay. So, guys, we are very excited because this summer is the 20th anniversary of the first Harry Potter book coming to the United States. And so all throughout the summer, we'll be doing some really fun stuff. Um, We'll be doing a few things for the podcast with Pottermore. We will be doing a few things without Pottermore. We'll do some interviews and stuff. And we figured we would kick off the summer of Harry Potter, I guess. Most summers are summer of Harry Potter, I suppose, with us. Um, With 10 very important conversations about Harry Potter that... Jill and I will have a lot of fun, hopefully as much fun, hopefully you guys will have as much fun listening as we will talking about this. Um, so we're going to go through a whole bunch of different topics and conversations uh, that we just kind of made up. Pretty much. Like five minutes ago. Yep. Uh, but before we get into that, if people want to share their thoughts, because I'm sure people will have thoughts on this, where can they find us? Easiest thing to do is go to our website, professionalbooknerds.com. There you can find links to all of our social, including Twitter and Instagram, which is at ProBookNerds, if you want to go there directly. Uh, You can also find a link and information on joining our Viber group chat to talk about books. I'm sure, again, there will be discussion about this um, when the episode goes live. Yeah. And you can also email us at professionalbooknerds at overdrive.com. Yes, you can. Also, not for nothing, our Viber channel has kind of turned into this like little community of everyone sending me dog pictures. And boy, is that the best. So if you want book recommendations, book chats, and dog pics. I should start putting in some cat pics. Yeah, you should. Because I feel like I am i didn't mean to like take over which animal is getting shown. but Right. And you got plenty of them in your house. <laughs> we do. <laughs> so... Okay. We're going to have like a visitor. We're going to have like a fifth cat temporarily oh, right. staying in, in the attic. She will not be uh, attic cat. It's going to be an attic cat. Wait. Just temporary. It's like a finished attic. Don't get. Catica. It's a little bit Catica. Thank you. Yeah. Like Catica, yeah. but cats. And- I get it. Yes. Yeah. Nailed it. Um, yeah, that's a lot. Yeah, she's not hanging out with my cats. <laughs> so- I've, been, I've been told she will basically beat up like she's very alpha mm. my alpha is an old lady so she doesn't have time for that i feel you um okay so we have 10 different conversations and i feel like we're gonna almost want to like have a timer for us to stop talking i'll try to track this so we don't go too long so what's our first one we're doing 
First one is your favorite Harry Potter character. Okay, do you want to go first? Mine is not Snape. I feel <laughs> like a lot of people are going to assume that, uh, which is fair, because I am Slytherin and, and in support of Snape most of the time. No, my favorite character is actually Sirius Black. I love Sirius, you guys. <laughs> do you want to expand on that at all? So, um, he just, you know, okay, to be fair... To be fair, if there's one thing you've probably learned about me throughout the course of this uh, podcast is that I like villains. And so, of course, in the third book, he's set up as a villain. I'm like, this serious guy's great. (laughs) (laughs) And then, of course, um, spoiler alert, you find out he's not. So, (laughs) yeah, he's he's not a villain. He's still great. Um, But I just I don't I don't know. His character is so, you know, this guy who spent years in Azkaban falsely accused of murder and terrible things and then he gets out and he's you know he's also I think I like with the books not all of her characters are very likable because he was kind of when they were teenagers you know he along with the others bullied Snape and oh yeah um and yet I don't know I just love Sirius he also could very easily the um in the third book, when they're in the Shrieking Shack, for like four hours, when Ron has a broken leg, by the way, he's yeah. got gangrene, um, he could have very easily just been like, when he's talking about he and who he's trying to murder, he could just be like, guys, here's what, he does a very bad job describing what's happening in that scene. But understandable, because he'd just been through some stuff. Um, mine is, the, I'm going to cheat and say the twins. Because you feel like you can't pick you can. Fred or George. Nope. To they are ju- to me they're the absolute just ba- they represent the best parts of the uh, of this entire world. Like they are wizards, but they don't take it super seriously. They are genuinely Harry's best friends. Uh, you can have Ron and Hermione all you want. They are the ones who give him his map that just like it's their most prized possession. Harry gives them money to start their joke shop. Like, ever, I love everything about the twins. They are hilarious. They mess with their parents. They mess with their friends. They are heroes when it comes to uh, situations with Dolores Umbridge, which we'll mm-hmm. get into later. Like, everything about every scene that they're in is more fun for me. I love um, in Goblet of Fire at the very beginning when they're at the quidditch world cup and they are just insulting percy and they are placing bets on stuff and then i love everything about the twins they make me like i've there's not a single scene with the twins where i'm like man this i could do without i could do with less of this so it's a good answer yeah i love them um okay i'm gonna let you do the next one because i need to think of it while you talk but favorite hogwarts teacher yeah i gotta go with mcgonagall I, yeah, she's really great. But now, do you think it's McGonagall just because we hear so much about her? Or? No, I think it's McGonagall because it's McGonagall. I think, you know, I think McGonagall, um, she comes across as very stern, mm-hmm. but fair. Um, and I think, despite the fact that she comes across as as very stern, she... She is Harry's mother figure at Hogwarts. Oh yeah, absolutely. Well, and plus she—I honestly—I think she's mine too. Um, 
I think she's my pick for favorite teacher as well because she also, um, like you said, she's very stern and she's very fair, but like she also has this like little flair in her where like when her team is playing Quidditch, she is all about rooting for them. Yeah. Or like the fir- I don't I think it's in the second book, but when, when they're in her class and she transformed into a cat and mm-hmm. back and no one cheers and she's like, "What's wrong with you people?" Like, "Excuse me." Uh, no, it's actually the third book because she's the first right. Animargy that we meet. She's like, uh, "I usually get a round of applause for that." Like, she's all sassy about it. I think she is. And yeah. I think her sassiness with Umbridge is it's just so good. It's so good. Yeah, it's so good. Yeah. Okay. Well, that one was less. That was less. Uh, yeah, that was less. We agreed on that one. So that's okay. What about your favorite movie adaptation? Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. Because so the first two movies, um, they very closely followed the plot of the books. Yeah, I did not feel as though they captured the spirit and the mood of the books. Mm-hmm. Whereas with Prisoner of Azkaban. The plot deviated slightly, but that mood, I was like, yes, this is what these books feel like when I read them. Yeah. Um, It was as if, you know, in the first two movies, they, again, were very faithful, but I feel like in doing that, they were so focused on being faithful to the story that they sacrificed some of, of the other stuff that you can't really describe in the books it's just sort of felt by readers yeah well and also after like the first two books are shorter so when you're doing a movie adaptation you can probably keep more of the plot whereas you know the the books start getting longer through prisoner mask man obviously all the way to the end so it's probably they have you know there's more that you kind of have to cut because you can't have a three and a half hour movie it's not like birth of a nation Right. I just remember when I saw it in theaters, um, I went with my sister and there was this kid with his family. And I think we were the only ones sitting through all of the end credits. And this kid did not like it. He had not liked Prisoner Basketball film. He was so mad because of the chorus, the choir that used the bullfrogs. (laughs) And I remember... He, so he and his family, I, I think, were a couple of rows either in front or behind us. And he's just, like, really angry and yelling. And he's like, there was no choir in the books and blah, blah, blah. And his parents and the rest of them are just sort of looking at each other like, okay. <laughs> and I got so t- – I was like, just because they weren't mentioned in the books doesn't mean there yes. wasn't a choir in them. Right. There's, There's lots of things going on in those books that yeah. aren't, aren't, aren't on the page. Because basically. Harry Potter's not involved in them. Right. And the his parents sort of smiled like, "Thank you." Uh, that's, <laughs> for shutting not it down. In the books. That's amazing. <laughs> um, so mine, I think, is Goblet of Fire. Honestly, the main reason, and this is a weird reason, but like when my wife and I are just like, cleaning our house or uh, cooking like a Saturday or Sunday meal, and we're not really going to be paying attention to the movie. There's, we have this set of movies that always goes on. She, more often than not, will put Clueless on. <laughs> Guys, we my wife watches Clueless so often. Uh, Lost, Yeah, Lost Boys is another one that's just always on in our house. But Goblet of Fire is like one of the five. And so 
I, I she first off she always had a crush on Cedric Diggory, which is fine, no problem with that. Um, it's you you learn about you know the different uh, the other schools for the first time. There's a ton of stuff in there that is in the book that's not in the in the movie, but um, I don't know. It's very there's a lot of like whimsy. You know they they fight dragons in that one, and then you meet the the mer people, and like there's just there's a lot of stuff that goes on in that that I really enjoy, and and but I honestly think it is just because it's probably the one I've seen the most, which is a bad reason for it to be my favorite adaptation. But um, the kid, like they get a little bit older, they've been doing the movies, you know, three times now before that, and um, also is that the one or is it uh, Order of Phoenix where they all basically don't, just don't get haircuts? For one of the one of the movies, um, it's just every boy character. It, it's Goblet of Fire. Yeah, just every boy it's character. Goblet of Fire. Um, also, I think they like stop wearing normal uniforms. They can just wear whatever clothes they want. That started in Azkaban, I think. Yeah, where just, they were allowed to not wear the robes all the time. Yeah, and we're allowed to have. There's actually in that um, in that play that I went and saw in New York that Puffs, which is all right. about uh, the Hufflepuffs and their <laughs> their trials and tribulations. At the very beginning of year three of that, it's just this big joking thing. They're just like, welcome to year three, where none of us have to wear robes anymore for some reason, <laughs> which I enjoy. So that that is mine. Um, okay. Now we're getting into the good now stuff. Now we're getting into the good stuff. Is Dumbledore terrible? Yes. Yes. He's so terrible. He's an awful person. He's the worst. He's, he... He is just like the worst headmaster. I don't... I yeah. don't even understand... He's just the worst. And it starts immediately. There's actually, there's an incredible Tumblr post, like as famous as a Tumblr post can be, I guess this one. It's, it's Dumbledore giving a speech and he's like, nobody can go into the Forbidden Forest unless, of course, you have detention. Then you'll go into the Forbidden Forest by yourself at night. Yes. Good job. 10 points to Dumbledore. Like, so proud of himself. He routinely puts them in unnecessary danger. Only to have a, a fantastic quote at the end of a book where everyone's like, oh, man, words are our most inexhaustible magic. You're yeah. right, Dumbledore. Yep. It's like he routinely disappears for no reason. He in in order or in um, Prisoner of Azkaban, he basically just looks at Hermione and is like, so just go ahead and use that time turner. You can probably figure out how to fi- solve everything like. He couldn't have done that himself. I I feel yeah. I think he he sort of is like. I, I think my problem is of many things, but he's all like Harry. I'm I'm not gonna tell you. There's all the stuff I know, but I'm not gonna tell you because you don't need to know. He doesn't tell me anything. And yet, at the same time, he puts Harry's in these situations where he's just like, like with the time turner, or you know, um. With the in in Sorcerer's Stone, no, he knows Harry's gonna go into. He's like, oh, you did figure it out. Good for you. I'm like, what? yeah. Oh, so you like purposely have set him up when he's looking when he's using the mirror. I can't remember what the mirror is actually called, but like the mirror of Arison. And yeah. so like he set him up to do all of this stuff. Like he knows Harry's gonna try and solve the mystery. Yeah. And so he just lets him do it, and but doesn't give him all of the information, and yet isn't like, hey, I'm a grown up. I should be the one to do this. Yeah. The whole thing with the Half-Blood Prince doesn't tell Harry what he has to do. He's like, just make sure I keep drinking this without actually telling him yeah. 
what's going well i guess he didn't really know what was going to happen but just like whatever you do make sure i keep drinking this don't stop and but without giving him full context of yeah. really what's happening he doesn't give him full context of what's happening ever right and, and yet both expects him to solve these things for him like yeah. on his behalf yeah also he when they're like when his name gets put in the goblet of fire and he's just like, did you put your name in there? And he's like, well, no, I didn't. He's like, okay, well, I believe you. But you do have to do this ridiculously dangerous thing. They're just like, well, the rules are absolute. Really? Are they? He could just be like, sorry, this is um, the boy who's supposed to save all of us. I can't tell him how because I'm a terrible person and I'm pompous and I just, I want to keep, I feel like he wants to keep everything to himself. He does. And because he, well, I think that's what bothers me. He's, he keeps telling Harry you're not old enough to know this information, but you're old enough to save all of us multiple yeah. times. Yeah, and bullshit, I'm going to rely on enough. you. Right. Like, I'm going to rely on you to save all of us, but Ugh. I can't tell you the truth about everything that I know. Uh, he, And literally, then he just, like, swoops in at the end every time. And he looks like the hero. And also, not for nothing, like, at the end of... At the end of Sorcerer's Stone, or is it Chamber of Secret? Which I think it's at the end of Sorcerer's Stone, where Slytherin is going to win the House Cup. Oh God! And I am not—I am not a Slytherin. I'm a Gryffindor. I know you're a Slytherin, but when he comes in, like, listen, they won fair and square. Other than Snape taking away a, just a bunch of points, which we'll get into Snape a little bit later. But like, he just decides, like, if you want Gryffindor to win the House Cup, don't just. F with the Slytherins. Like, yeah, there's a couple Slytherins who are who are kind of terrible, but the rest of the house is just people that are there, and you're like, yeah, go ahead. Celebrate. We're going to put all your green stuff up here. Just kidding. You're all screwed. It's not happening. Yeah. He's a, Dumbledore's a jerk. He is a jerk. Ugh. Dumbledore's a jerk. I Yes, Dumbledore is a jerk. And he just... He just put, routinely puts them in very dangerous situations. Or if he doesn't, he, even if he purposely doesn't put them in, like, you know, the sending them out into the Forbidden Forest is putting them in a dangerous situation. Yeah. Not actually figuring out a way to block off the third floor corridor. You would live in a magical, you live in a magical castle. castle. You can't castle. figure out how to just, like, put up a baby gate. <laughs> put up a baby gate. But, I mean, you live in a magic castle. <laughs> Are you kidding me? You can't just like shut down the stairs? Oh man. Oh, <laughs> baby cake. <laughs> but I also But seriously, yeah, how do you not you can't figure out a way to just block that off? Really? I mean if but like plus it, just the whole sorcerer stone and the idea of well, we have this thing that we think someone's going to try and get. We're going to put up some games No, <laughs> stop them. Yeah. Again, you live in a magic Just castle. Just hang out there. Have someone hang out there. We're just like, I don't know. Well, so we got this dog and there's like a chess set and... I guess we'll just have some like poison, like some. Uh, ooh, we'll have a riddle. No, just don't put. Why would you make it passable? Don't be like. Right, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, why would you make it passable uh, that somebody can actually get? Again, if this is the safest place outside of Gringotts, you make it. You like you by putting up tests, you are making it possible for someone to get to the stone. The, that is like the exact opposite of what you should be doing. Is making it something uh, solvable. 
because if people solve it, yeah. Again, both Quirrell and Harry with Hermione and Ron solved it. <laughs> God, son of a. They are so dumb. <laughs> and they do it in the Chamber of Secrets. They're not Chamber Sorry, not Chamber of Secrets. They do it. It just. Why do they make it imminently? Uh, okay, listen. So I think we can agree Dumbledore is the worst. Dumbledore is the worst. Speaking of the worst, who is actually worst? Umbridge or Voldemort? I feel like we're going to agree on this one. I got to go with Umbridge. It's Umbridge. She's terrible. She's, I am like, shouts to JK and the people who made, I don't remember who directed that one, but like, just do an incredible job of making me truly hate her. Like, Voldemort does cool stuff, at least, you know? Like, he's an off, obviously, he's an awful dark wizard, but like, the way he does stuff, I'm like, ah, that's pretty cool. So I think Umbridge... Umbridge is like Umbridge is like the Aunt Lydia of, of <laughs> the Handmaid's Tale in that yes. you have this like terrible person in charge, right? Um it you have this person with very terrible ideas, which would be Voldemort in this case, which is bad. But the people who actually enact those ideas, I think are in some ways worse. Mm-hmm. Um and Umbridge is just Terrible. Terrible. She's terrible. She she is so idealistic in what she believes and the way and she's just sadistic. Like Voldemort is just um Oh he so Voldemort is very much of like he's so obsessed with, you know, pure blood and and having all of the world be a specific way. And so it's like he has an end game where it's like you could almost understand like if someone is born to hate non-magical people and they've only had horrible experiences with that, like you can see where he would come from. Dolores Umbridge is just like, well, I'm just going to make your hand bleed by you writing notes because I can. Right. Yes. That Like that's... Like, again, it's like a sadistic thing because for her, I don't even think it's necessarily for her. It's just about power. I don't know how much of what, you know, of Voldemort's because she doesn't even she doesn't believe Voldemort's back. So it's not even about Voldemort. Right. Just this (laughs) insistence that everyone around her is wrong. Right. Yeah. For her, it's not even about what he believes, but it's just this idea Mm -hmm. that. Yeah. But I will, she's just sadistic. Yeah, I will say the most to me. I always tell people, like, the worst thing you can be is indifferent towards something. Not like the worst thing you can be, but like, if I create, if I was to write a book, I want you to have a visceral reaction one way or the other. I want you to love it or hate it, and then talk about it because then it's being talked about. If you're indifferent, that's the worst possible thing, because then you just forget about it. Dolores Umbridge, I hate her, and I and it like with every fiber of my being. So like again. Good on J.K. Rowling for creating a character that like almost universally everyone is just like, I can't stop talking about how much I hate her. When I went, um, so I worked at Barnes Noble. I don't think I've told the story on the podcast. If I have, apologies. When I was at, uh, when I worked at Barnes Noble uh, f- during when book seven was released and I was in charge of the trivia game that we did for the book release party at the mm-hmm. store. And I don't remember what the context was. Um, but somebody called me Umbridge. 
like as a <laughs> oh they were mad about some rule that I had enacted or something. I honestly don't remember what happened. I think I they just didn't like the rules were very clear, but there was some situation where I had to you know, they got the answer wrong or something like that and 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 um yeah, they called me Umbridge. That and is... the entire group of like 20 people were just like, "Oh, that is honestly the sickest burn. I'm definitely calling someone an umbrage at some point this week. Because that is just like Bunsen burner blowtorching someone. Yeah, because I think that's what it is with her. Um, and again, sort of with Aunt Lydia and, and Haymaid's tale, like these are the rules. And I'm going to make you follow the rules. And I'm going to just blindly follow the rules mm-hmm. and start enacting new rules if I don't like the way you're you know like what you're doing i'm gonna make rules just for you to shut you down um it's just it's just all yeah. power move well i think it's all power move i think you, she's a villain that even people who like villains hate like you just got done saying you love villains and you're like no 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 to hell with umbridge she is umbridge the worst a garbage person if there ever was one yeah for sure so yeah Voldemort, obviously the main crux of the villainry but Dolores Umbridge, you are just the absolute worst. Um, all right, we have one more worst, and we put them in order, but yeah. that's okay. Worst secondary plot. This is a hard one. There's a correct answer to this. I, I, I think I have it. <laughs> it's spew. It's all the stuff that Hermione does to try and help the house elves. Now, why is it the worst? Because it it's a bridge to nowhere. It doesn't have a resolution. And I honestly think for all of the stuff that happened in this book where, like, there's stuff that happens in book one and book two where J.K. Rowling tied it to the Deathly Hallows, and you're like, wow, what an incredible full, like, way to step back and see the whole story. Amazing. I feel like Spew she realized after she wrote it into whichever book it was in first she was like oh man i don't know what i'm gonna do with this and like it just gets abandoned and it's it literally is like hermione is so high and mighty about it this whole time and she thinks she's doing good and like but the she house, is doing good but she thinks she is but the house elves are the ones that are working for hogwarts and they're happy there and they actively are like no 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 we don't want this and they're actually and they accidentally are grabbing socks and stuff because she's hermione is being shitty about it in that case you know what that's a little white savior thing going on there exactly assuming hermione is white which is usually what happens but yeah there there is a bit of a savior complex there you're right i forgot that she was like knitting hats and stuff and then like hiding them places where they'd be cleaning and again like it just there's no resolution i actually have friends who have also been who have tweeted about this so nick if you're listening to this he and I have talked about this a lot. It it just, it goes nowhere, and it's terrible, and it's one of the few things where, like, Hermione's like, I'm going to do this thing. And immediately, Rod and Harry are like, no, 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 you're wrong. This is dumb. And then the house elves are like, this is dumb. And she's like, I'm going to keep doing it. Well, yeah, no, it's it's Hermione believing she knows better right. for them than they, like, they can't, they, but then we're, I, but I then, think it sort of undervalues their ability to make their own decisions. Yeah. But then worst of all, there's just no resolution right. to it. That bums me out. It's just like, all right, not only did I not want to read this, but now you're forcing me to to not know how it gets wrapped up. So that would be my particular. I can get on board with that. I can't really think of a bad, like, secondary plot. The 
I mean, there's a lot of like MacGuffin-y things that I think are a little bit annoying. Like um, in Chamber of Secrets, when they just happen to be working with Professor Sprout to be growing oh. the mandrakes. Yeah, like there are no mandrakes anywhere else in the world. Yeah, exactly. That that annoys me. That's that's a little. We have to wait for that. Yeah, it's just cool. I actually literally I I tweeted um, as myself a while like a couple weeks ago at this point all of the books and I put the word MacGuffin in the name. So I was like Harry Potter and the Chamber of MacGuffins, like Harry Potter and the prison and the MacGuffin of Azkaban. Like there, every single book has a thing. It's like convenient, and that what irritates me the most is the mandrakes. Where I'm like, like you said, they don't know what. There's basically... They can't, like, ship them in from somewhere. Snape has the equivalent of, like, the world's greatest apothecary in his office. So that irritates me, too. Now that we're, like, dumping on this thing that we absolutely love. We We do love it. Yeah, it's good. Okay. But I think part of loving it is acknowledging that there are problems sometimes. Yeah. I also get bummed out, and it's not really, like... Like, the nearly headless Nick. (laughs) Like, how, like, all the headless horsemen people are all so terrible to him during his death day. Yeah. Yeah. The main more so just makes me sad than anything. I don't hate it because I want to throw a death day party like that, but. Um, Maybe just without the rotting food. Yeah, exactly. Now um, I kind of want to like read all the books and live tweet them. Right? I know. I'm going to do that. Listen, binge mode is doing it. Why can't they we? Are. That's what I'm saying. I'm so yeah. salty about that. <laughs> um, it's so good, though. Do you I listen know. to it? I do. I have oh, started. God. It's so for, funny. For, you, for people who don't know what we're talking about, uh, there is a podcast on the Ringer Network called Binge Mode, and that was the first thing they did at Game of Thrones. I don't even Basi- think so. Yeah, basically they take a deep dive into like a pop culture thing, um, and what they're doing right now is they're doing like a read through of the Harry Potter books and talking about them, and it is very good. But it just they have like access to all these things that we don't because they're on the, they're from the Ringer, right? So that's why I'm salty. But it is very good. So we have a researcher. I know. Could you imagine? Just be like, go look this up for me. <sighs> yeah, as opposed to us just saying things wrong and people shouting into their headphones like, you're both saying it wrong. <laughs> that- uh, okay, positive things. <laughs> so throughout the world of Harry Potter, there are wonderful food and drink things that we, you see all the time. So do you have a favorite food or drink or like something you would want to try in real life that they have? I think the cauldron cakes, just because I like cake. Uh-huh. <laughs> and butterbeer. Like, I want to know what butterbeer... I mean, I've done the butterbeer at, you know, the Wizarding World of Harry Potter, but I I don't know, you know. The butterbeer there at Universal was too sweet for me, but the ice cream butterbeer was delicious. Um, the one I want is... And I think it exists in the real world. I think I, think I could find it. But um, before all of the – everyone goes to uh, the Quidditch World Cup, they're at the Weasley house and they're having a dinner outside. And all of the older Weasleys are drinking elderflower wine. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. And again, I th- it does exist. I like looked it up. You can find like – sparkling elderflower wine mm-hmm. but elderflower is just one of the best it makes one of the best liqueurs in the world um it's called saint germain it's so good and i feel like elderflower wine would be wonderful yeah um again back when the seventh book came out we had the birdie bots every flavor beans mm-hmm. that we sold in the bookstore and my coworker and i one day 
<laughs> we worked in the cafe and one day we bought we like split um one of the things and tried all of the flavors <laughs> oh yeah it was not fun <laughs> no it's not fun actually so there is a place um there's a place if you are local to cleveland which i know some of our listeners are there's a place called sweetie's candy um in where I used to live in Parma, which it's basically like a giant, like a Costco size place of just candy. And they have classic candy and they have like a huge wall of jelly beans and they do have birdies or birdie bots, every flavor beans. And yeah, they are just terrible. Well, cause remember we did a couple years ago, we did a, a Harry Potter watch party here at the office at we overdrive. Did. We should do that again. Yeah. Our events manager and I went and bought, we, she and I took a trip to Sweetie's candy and bought like, $500 worth of candy on overdrives. That's right. I forgot about that. Yeah, we had chocolate frogs and all sorts of stuff. I will say um, there is a, I think it's an unauthorized Harry Potter menu, like, or not menu, like recipe book. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, actually, I think you're right. I'm trying to look it up because I know we have it on overdrive. Um, if you look up, if you go to your library's website and look up like Harry Potter recipe book, there is like an it's like an unauthorized, but it's like 150 different recipes from stuff. So they have like pumpkin, um, pumpkin pasties, pumpkin pasties. I'm not sure, honestly. The pumpkin things. Um, they have like treacle tart and all the different drinks and stuff. So it's pretty. It's pretty cool. You can if you're throwing a party, I highly recommend it. Um, what do we have next? Which of the Deathly Hallows would you want? I have thoughts on this. I think. I would want the Philosopher's Stone because I want to. I'm. That's not a Deathly wait. Hall. No, you what mean the Resurrection Jesus. Stone? <laughs> What's that? You want the Resurrection? Resurrection Stone, stone not the, yeah. Jesus, <laughs> sorry. We were just talking about the Sorcerer's Stone. Um, I think I want the Resurrection Stone because I internally am terrified of dying. <laughs> I have like when I was a little kid, I was always afraid of dying. And like everyone's like, you'll get over that. And I still have it. And I'm in my thirties, and so I feel like. Like that would be, I think, the thing. Just like knowing that I could come back if I, if something like if there was an accident, almost like you know having like a, like finding a an extra life playing Mario, kind of. Sure. <laughs> I think sure, I, I, I think that. that that's what I would honestly like. That's more like being able to come back and make sure that I finished everything that I wanted to do in my life is more important to me than like being invisible or being all powerful. I think. So. Oh, I want to be invisible. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, I want the invisibility cloak, right? I'm I'm a Slytherin. We're cunning. I need that invisibility cloak to go those places I'm not supposed to go. <laughs> that's that's perfectly fair. <laughs> Break into brunettes. Go get some free donuts. Yes. Yeah. Just no. That's, I wouldn't do that. I mean, you can't go wrong with any of them. I don't think. Although you seem to think my answer was I'm just the wrong one. Saying you know that wand got people into a lot of trouble. <laughs> yeah, it, I feel like no good comes from that wand. Like. It's like uh, it's like Game of Thrones when like you're sitting on the throne, everyone's always coming for you. Like if you have the Elder Wand, everyone's always coming for you. Yep. I don't need I don't need that stress nope. in my life. Nope, nope, nope. Nope. I'd rather just hide. Yeah. And sneak into places I'm not supposed to go. That's fair. I've, <laughs> I have no qualms with that answer. Um, favorite book in the series? Harry Potter and the Half Blood Prince. For for why? For what reasons? It is just. You know, it is, it's the penultimate book. So it's the book right before the last one. It sets it up perfectly. And this, I love getting Snape's backstory um, and understanding a little bit more about 
him and the Half-Blood Prince. Um, I That ending of that book is just so devastating. And yet, at the same time, you know, and I think it's that book that more than anything else led to a lot of discussion and theory about whether Snape was good or bad. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just so well-written. Snape is finally, you know... Uh, Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher. I just, I love it. I love it. I love mm-hmm. everything about that book. I think, I've thought about this a lot. I think mine is Prisoner of Azkaban. That would have been my second one. Yeah. My reason for it is like, the first two books are very much like children, middle grade books. And like, yes, there's obviously stakes in them, but it feels like, Prisoner of Azkaban sets up the rest of the much like how Half-Blood Prince sets up the Deathly Hallows. Feels like Prisoner of Azkaban to me like sets up the rest of the series. Like, no, it's gonna get dark and there's gonna be mm-hmm. some like creepy stuff that happens and you there are absolutely stakes and there's you know, there's gonna be murder and there's gonna be, you know, you're gonna care about people who are gonna who are gonna die and um yeah, to me that just like that it's almost like the first two books are are prologue to the Harry Potter series in my mind, and then like that one, it really like gets mm-hmm. gets into the the meat of the the story. So, but I mean, can't really go bad. Can't really go wrong with any of them. Um, unless you say Chamber of Secrets, and then I'm gonna have to have a word with you. What? If your favorite book is Chamber of Secrets. <laughs> Sorry. Well, or like you, or like the first half of Order of Phoenix, where, where Harry is just a, a grumpy grump. Uh, um, okay, you mentioned while talking about the Half-Blood Prince, Snape. Our final. We put this at the end because it's going to be a long discussion. We also we just put we didn't have like a question. We just wrote <laughs> Snape. So uh, Severus. Trying to figure out if you know we were talking about jokingly is Dumbledore the worst? Who who is worse, Snape or? Umbridge, is Snape actually good, or like what? 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 What is Snape? What? I remember after the sixth book came out, um, so between six and seven, again there were a lot of discussions about whether Snape was good or bad in terms of his the the death of Dumbledore, and I had always maintained that he was that Dumbledore was asking Snape to kill him, basically. Um, so in that regard, yes, I would argue that Snape is good when it comes to Dumbledore. The rest of it, though, no, Snape is not really a good character. I mean, like, as a as a person, because, you know, it's one of those things, like, that one Dumbledore thing does not outweigh everything else, and I'm not entirely sure that it does. Yeah, he spends, and I think we see Snape through even more rose-colored glasses because Alan Rickman so perfectly portrayed him in a way that he's just like, he's just one of those characters where all of us will remember him. Yes. And so I think that masks a lot of the stuff where if you read the books and when, like, there are so many times where he's just awful to Harry just to be awful to Harry, like taking points away from their house just because taking points away from Gryffindor because Hermione is a know-it-all like he does so many things that are not justified in his overall character arc of being 
uh, you know, hero, anti-hero, whatever you want to call him. But he does so many things. We're just like, all right, well, you don't need to do. He's like a. It's almost like he's a baby. Like he was bullied and he had. He was in love with someone, and so now he's taking it out on the kid who knows. None of that, because as we previously mentioned, Dumbledore won't tell him anything because Dumbledore is the worst. Yep. But it just, I feel like he's... Now, to be fair, I'm pretty sure Snape made him swear never to tell. So... Right, I know. I don't think that's... Well, he made him, I'm sure he made him swear never to tell about, like, why he... Because he does say, at, I think it's at the end of, it's at some point in Deathly Hallows or, or somewhere, Snape says, like, you can't... It's when he shows him the his Patronus, mm-hmm. and he's like, you, you can't ever let Harry know. Like, that's fine. He doesn't have to know that he was always in love with his mother. But he could also not just be a horrible, like, like tormentor of Harry the entire time. And it's not even that, it's not even that he's, like, Harry's doing stuff and slacking off. Like, he... He works really hard to, in all, all the books to, like, do his schoolwork and everything, and and Snape is just routinely just like a terrible person to him. He is. I, yeah. I, I don't know. I feel like I feel like it's very like Machiavellian of him. Like and the ends justify the means, but his means are terrible. Well, I think you're right that the Alan Rickman thing definitely colors it slightly and makes us all very biased towards Snape as a character. Yeah. But yeah, Snape is is kind of a terrible human being um, for the way he treats Harry. You know, take like when they're doing the um, the mind reading thing, like he's clearly taking advantage yeah. of that situation of being able to inflict probably more um, pain on him than he needs to just to kind of prove a point mm-hmm. and then getting mad when Harry's not, you know, doing anything and, or isn't responding the way or practicing the way he's supposed to. Like, that's clearly a power move on on behalf of a teacher taking advantage of the situation. Um, you know, the way he... I mean, even before that, there's a part where he threatens him with Veritas Serum to be like, I'm going to make you tell me the truth about stealing something. Like, And it's not in front of anyone else. It's just in his little dungeon office where he's like no one else will hear it but him and Harry and it's like well and I think that's you know I think that's one of the the tricky parts especially in Order of the Phoenix where Snape is is helping you know the Order of the Phoenix he's sort of like an insider on the at, at Hogwarts as a teacher but he doesn't he he still though has to like he still maintains this his treatment of Harry and there were definitely opportunities where he could have been like okay look yes Umbridge is terrible and like you know I'm I'm thinking of that scene where um, Umbridge is trying to get information out of Harry mm-hmm. and after Harry is like trying to sneak out to get to the Department of of Mysteries. And um, Harry is, like, trying to mind read with Snape and yeah. be like, Voldemort's got serious and all this stuff. You're telling me there's no way for Snape, in code of some kind, yeah. to be like, I hear, like, I understand yeah. what you're saying. Everything's okay. Right. And instead he just sort of 
keeps up this situation with umbridge where he's like i have no idea what he's talking about you yeah know, who's padfoot what, what are you talking about yeah there's really no way there's, yeah for of some kind of code for snape to acknowledge to harry that he hears like he, he hears what he's saying and so i think yeah he's he's not he's not really like i said he it's very like machiavellian where he's like it's like in his mind is like the end justify the means but that's just not it's why a he's thing. a slytherin <laughs> It is why he's a Slytherin. Ah. <laughs> All right. So, in summary, he's Snape's not the worst, but his actions are kind of crappy. I mean, yeah, I and you know, and it's just it. It's yeah, it's tricky. But and I think that I mean that's credit. Yeah. That's one of the many reasons why these books are so enduring is because we can have these conversations, having both read the books multiple times, being like. Okay, but is he good or is he bad? Yeah, I think I think that's our question of you know okay. how do you define good or bad, and I think it does. I think the way you know we're sort of you know J.K. kind of romanticizes this idea of being bullied as a means of justifying the later behavior, and I don't think that's entirely fair because there are lots of people who are bullied who don't become assholes. Yeah, <laughs> they grow <laughs> up. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so. I, does that really? It's like Snape is stuck and with like a juvenile mindset, well beyond when you should be a juvenile. Yes. Yeah. I, I don't. Yeah. And so, yeah. I don't. He's. Yeah. He's tricky. I think he I, is. I think he is very. He's very tricky. He's yeah. very. He's not. He's a very gray character. There's no <laughs> real black and white to him. I don't think. Mm-mm. Um. Yeah, he contains he contains multitudes. And again, I think the question of is Snape good or bad comes back to the scene with Dumbledore at the end of Half Blood Prince, and there it's not really the question of is Snape good or bad. It's did Snape murder Dumbledore or did he do what was asked of him? Yeah, did he have to do that or? And is that you know is that really a question that's you know? And so when they say he's good, they're really saying no, he was following through on the plan that he had set with Dumbledore. Whereas if he's bad, he murdered him. And so using, I think, the terms good and bad is tricky. Mm-hmm. Either way, he still killed Dumbledore. <laughs> like you right. Can't. But, and yeah, and, and I mean, like, he had to with the whole, like, the oath, like, the... No, I mean, I get it. I mean, he promised this is what we would do. If this is a, if this is the situation we find ourselves in, I will kill you. And that is what we have decided upon. I get that, but... Well, and he also does, like, the, what's the Unbreakable Foul or whatever it's called at the beginning with, of that. Yeah, with Narcissa. Yeah, so. Ah, Snape, man. See, Narcissa's another character who is super complicated. She is very complicated. She doesn't get a lot of she does conversation. Not, she does not get a lot of conversation. Yeah, because she's, all, like, well, and then at the end, at the very end of Deathly mm-hmm. Hallows, where she's, like, whispering, like, Yep. It's my son alive. And as soon as she learns yes, it's like, okay, well. I'm covering for you. I'll cover for you. Yeah. Man, that was ballsy. Ah, I love because, these books. Because, like, again, you know, like, that's a mother thing. She's, I think, you know, she's married to this terrible person. Lucius is terrible. And this is her life, though. Like, she's a Slytherin. She's in a big Slytherin family. This is not just Slytherin, but Death Eater family. She can't. Yeah, and kind of like she's at like the apex of like the most death eatery death eaters. Right. Yeah. Like her husband and her sister are like 
there the most. But like she she's an interesting she's an interesting um, mirror to Lily because for both of them, it's this love for their son that trumps everything else. Yep. Everything else. All it comes down is their love for their son. And they just, you know, that's why she does that unbreakable vow. Like she wants to make sure that Draco is safe regardless of anything else that Mm -hmm. happens. Knowing that her son has been given this task that is impossible. And so she's like, Snape, you got to protect him. (laughs) There are so many characters that I would love more backstory on. And she's one of them for sure. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So, All right. We're almost at 50 minutes. Are we really? Yeah. Fun times. Yeah. We didn't know what's recording. Actually, I'm assuming Narcissus is a Slytherin. I don't actually... I'm assuming she is. I'm assuming she is too, because that family tree. Oh yeah, that's I think right, they're all. Tree. I think they're all Slytherin, but they might not be. I'm sure, we could probably find out. Um, okay, so that's our first of a couple <laughs> Harry Potter conversations throughout the summer. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, anything else you think people should be aware of before we let them let them go? Um, I don't. I think that's everything. Okay. All right. Well. Happy Harry Potter, everybody. Happy 20th anniversary. Uh, Happy Thursday. And I hope you guys enjoyed this episode of the Professional Book Nerds Podcast. Readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode from Overdrive.com. And our library friends can add these titles to their collections and marketplace. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.